and for some reason or other, he's not seeing me online so that he can't pull me into the call. So I'm in the call talking with you live. <laughs> live. Um, and we'll figure out why I don't show up in his computer. But anyway, it's a technical difficulty. Uh, we just finished Blog Talk Radio, which is a half-hour warm-up of straight talk. And I gave some straight talk to you. And it's at Blog Talk uh, Radio.com, uh, Brother Gregory, I believe, and you can find the link at hisholychurch.org. The, uh, uh, the things that we talked about uh, and had a few call-ins then, and we'll see if we can have more call-ins here uh, shortly. I don't have a number you can call in with yet, uh, so I'm dependent on my co-host, and for some reason or other, we didn't seem to uh, uh, join in. Uh, together, uh, uh, and I think I'm trying to get him in right now, but I don't know if he'll be able to field calls if he comes in. Um, but uh, anyway, are, are you there, uh, Paul? Me to the call. Yep. Okay, evidently you, yeah, you got it turned down. Uh, I guess uh, the deal is you won't be able to field calls if we do it in this right way. That's right, but at the first break we can switch over now that I see you online. Okay, for some, maybe I need to uh, open up that Skype before we finish blog talk because the internet takes a little while to <laughs> let the rest of us know that we're here. Maybe. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Okay, this is Paul in uh, Wisconsin, and uh, he's uh, one of our gracious co-hosts. It helps me get through all the technical stuff. I don't know if you heard the blog talk, but the lady in Georgia or Arkansas, wherever she's at, I guess she has a number from one place and she's actually in the other, uh, was trying to figure out if there was a way she could listen through the phone to this show. Um uh, I don't know if we've got that technicality uh, figured out yet because uh, uh, of the fact that she has limited Internet uh, facilities. That's a good question. I think we might have to ask Nicholas about that. Yeah, and uh, maybe he's even listening to the show, so he'll come up with an answer eventually. Um, the other uh, thing is is if, if uh, this show goes out over other media other than the co computer. Uh, I know at one time he was using satellite. I don't know if this show goes out over satellite, too. But that information, if we have that, we can share that with others. So those are all questions that we need to work out uh, because there evidently is an interest that people do want to listen. Uh, uh, I have uh, was talking to people uh, up in Bend, and uh, some of them have been listening to the show. Uh, it's amazing how many people can be listening to the show and trying to find out what's going on in the kingdom, what the gospel of the kingdom is all about. And uh, we, you know, this radio thing is such a one-way conversation uh, that you sometimes wonder if you're just talking to, into a microphone and if there's anybody else out there. But we're evidently hearing that there is other people out there. So... All but, seven of them. Yeah, yeah, there's seven, eight, maybe nine people out there. <laughs> no, evidently there's a lot more than that. Uh, and then the, we have the network and we have extended networks. That's one of the things that we talked about last night at the meeting that went for five hours straight. You know how how shy I am. Uh, yeah. 
But <laughs> it's come out of your shell. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen my shell in so long. I don't even know what it looks like. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, the uh, uh, you have a network. Is we're formalizing a network. We have these personal contact ministers that we call PCMs, and everybody who is on the Living Network or the network work can can okay. Is that your? Are you getting that feedback, or is that me? That sounds like it's coming from you. I don't hear you. It may be. Okay. Anyway, because uh, I see your your image lighting up here when I hear that. Uh, did you hear the static and stuff? I hear you clearly. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, uh, this PCM personal contact minister. It's a shadow. Of what the kingdom was. The kingdom was people who cared enough about each other to gather together in small groups that they called dechens or tens. Uh, and those tens were ten families uh, who picked a minister who connected them with nine other groups like themselves. And the pattern repeated itself until thousands and thousands of people were connected with each other. And it became a system of social insurance. But the only one who had the, the sword or the gun was the individual uh, members. Not the there was no uh, their uh, PCM in those days. Their minister of record in those days. The man they chose to be their minister to help them keep them connected with the rest of their society uh, did not exercise authority one over the other. He was a benefactor because he connected them with all the other people that were living by faith, hope, and charity, who were giving uh, the Eucharist of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, the service of Jesus Christ, one to each other. And thousands upon thousands of people all across Europe and Asia had gathered together in these dechens, these tens, these hundreds, these thousands, uh, or hundreds and uh Actually, I don't remember the German word for thousands, but uh, but they gathered together in these groups and they literally formed a society that was invincible. That now, during, say, sorry, what time frame you're talking about? What age? Well, uh, you clearly see. Well, actually, the uh, tens, hundreds, and thousands existed even before Christ. It was a remnant of what Israel had been. Uh, and uh, you saw evidence of it amongst the Teutons, which was before Christ. And uh, well, actually, even at the time of Christ, you saw it because uh, Germanicus had to deal with these guys. He, they defeated uh, Germanicus down, and uh, the Roman centurions uh, time and time again. And, you know, one of Germanicus's uh, cries was that he had to kill them all uh, because they were... It, they were not goose-stepping to one leader. Uh, they were each individual coming together to protect their rights and their neighbor's rights as much as their own. And so that was right at the time of Christ uh, in Northern Europe. But you see it in uh, uh, 160 A.D. You see it, uh, and I'm thinking of different periods of time. I see it in 600 A.D. You see tithing men, hundredsmen, aldermen in England, uh, right up till William the Conqueror. Even in early America, 
people still remembered, some people still remembered this history because they hadn't been going to public school. And they were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands there on the East Coast in several of the colonies. Uh, it is why they were able to form their militias. But all that's been removed from your history books because that's what tyrants fear the people will understand that, you know, somebody, uh, was it a desk who was just on uh, George Norrie's show and uh, I couldn't, uh, I can't afford to become a subscriber, so I never got to hear his uh, interview there. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, he talks about in the little article they had there on that Coast to Coast that uh, uh, he talks about we're the 800-pound gorilla, the people. And the government doesn't really have the power. We have the power. Well, actually, we don't have the power. We may be an 800-pound gorilla, but they're a 2,000-pound bull. Uh, and they really do have the power. And we don't have the power because we don't care about our neighbor's rights as much as we care about our own. The last thing you want to do is be aligned with a bunch of guys who are out to get their own personal rights back. Uh, you want to be aligned with people who want to get your rights back as much as they want to get their rights back. And that's that's really where the power is at. Uh, but people in America don't know how to do that. People in Australia don't know how to do that. Uh, we have been divided uh, by the nature of our society so that people think about themselves, accumulating their stuff, gathering their stuff, uh, making themselves, uh, securing their position. And that thinking is antichrist. And it makes us all vulnerable. It makes us all subject. And we should be subject because we've abandoned the ways of God. God is a creator of life, a giver of life. And if we're an accumulator of life, we're not being like uh, in accordance with the nature of God. So anyway, the, the point is, is that these tens, hundreds, and thousands were simply an opportunity where you could gather together with others and care about them as much as you cared about yourself. Not just your ten family congregation, but the next nine congregations and the next 100 congregations in that network and thousands in that network. Um, and when people began to forget about how to do that, then... Whole armies were able to uh, march in under the uh, authority of an apostate church and conquer one valley after another because they had learned the art of moving huge troops. And we had forgot the art of the kingdom, which is to care about the next valley as much as you care about your own. This is why I'm such a stickler in the network that if someone becomes a PCM and he does not manifest the evidence that he cares about other PCM congregations and groups as much as he cares about his own, I won't hold him up as a minister of Christ. Uh, I have to see him actively trying to get to know other contact ministers in the network, actively trying to get to know a little bit about other congregations in the network. If they don't actively do that, if they sit on the sidelines, if they uh, uh, say, well, I'm just concerned with my own little congregation, uh, I won't hold them up as a minister of Christ's kingdom because... To me, that's not the nature of Christ. 
That I don't see the blood of Christ in them. And they can have all the doctrines and dogmas and holier-than-thou uh, philosophies. It doesn't mean anything because I don't see the fruits of Christ operating in them. Uh, here uh, we just had on the previous talk show somebody was having difficulty and getting on the show and hearing it because they're limited computer access, and I know how difficult that can be. <laughs> but uh, they, we had Phyllis calling up saying, well, I'll, I'll send her a copy of the show as they become available. Uh, and just put it on it, you know, go to all the trouble, getting a CD, making a copy of it, putting it on that CD and mailing it out. That's service to others. Uh, we need to all have that willingness to be of service to others. Because Going back. Go ahead. There are tens, hundreds, and thousands. I think it's amazing that all the uh, examples that you've given and the different areas of, eras of history where that has been prominent, and you even talk off the air about uh, how that form of government is actually more... Um, more prominent in our history? Yeah. Yeah. The, there's a book, Enterprise of Law, and I was trying to think of the guy's name uh, who wrote it. And he's not a patriot or a, a member of Montana militia or anything like that. He's a scholar, and he wrote the Enterprise of Law as a part of his uh, series of publications as a, as a professor. And he makes that a very big point of the book, is that this voluntary system of self-government, which is basically anarchy, that fits the definition of anarchy, government without the state, without a corporate body who is a group of lawmakers, but a voluntary system that organizes itself in a free association of each other's efforts. That is the most predominant form of government throughout world history. This centralization of government, which is what people believe is the only kind of government there is, is actually a modern aberration, that it has not been the predominant government of mankind. And, of course, even when you go back in history and they, they paint, oh, well, this was France back in uh, 1400s and this is England in the 1300s, and these governments certainly were becoming centralized. It was nothing like what we have today. Uh, you could live in your <coughs> your valley in France and not even know who the king is. Because he really didn't have a present in, presence in your valley. <laughs> Reminds uh, me of that Monty Python quote. I didn't know we had a king. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, right. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of people live. But in our modern society, uh, where we have become uh, synthesized and legalized and mesmerized by the uh, TV and computers, etc., uh, we've become the mindless masses of uh, a brave new world, uh, drugged from one end of our lives to the other, uh, working away in a machinery that early has its own self-interest at heart and not ours. Uh, yeah, the, who the who the king is seems to make a real big difference. It was an interesting thing I pointed out when we were trying to stay awake on the way home last night, and Richard was with me. Uh, we were listening to, uh, and I can never remember his name. He's the chief opponent 
uh, to Obama on this uh, balancing the budget uh, deal, uh, name like Blair or something. Um, but uh, he's a, a Tea Party guy. And uh, if you listen to his speech pattern, it is the same as Obama. You know, the tone's slightly different, but the speech pattern is identical. And if, if anybody listens to Obama, he has a very mesmerizing way of speaking to you. <laughs> Where he breaks up phrases and has this inflectionary quality at the end of each phrase. And uh, it's it's very hypnotic in, in the way, and it works pretty good uh, on an American people today because... Uh, one, well, I won't say why. They can guess why. But uh, uh, this guy has the same exact speech pattern. I was wondering if he's emulating that <laughs> because it had such good results for Obama. And I don't want to say anything bad about the government or about presidents or anything like that. The problems we're having in America today and in the world today is the people's problems. Because they've rejected God. They've rejected the ways of God. They've rejected Christ. Uh, and I'll even go so far as to saying the Buddhists have rejected Buddha. The Muslims have rejected Abraham. <laughs> and the Jews have rejected Moses. Uh, they have those titles, those names, and they're in love with their laurels. But their laurels don't belong to them. They belong to generations that have died out before them. Generations that actually, you know made the, uh, this nation great, was a generation of people willing to face the wilderness, risk everything they had, uh, struggle hard uh, to make a living, and when their neighbor needed help, they dropped everything and came a-running uh, because they they loved their neighbor as much as themselves. They also knew the practicality. If you don't come there for your neighbor, why would he come there for you? I was talking with one of our PCMs where somebody thinks that, you know, when they get rid of their ID and their social security number and and they become true, complete sovereign citizens under God, that God will provide for them. But uh, the question comes, do they provide for their neighbor now? If they're not providing for their neighbor, contributing to their congregation of record, building up and providing the uh, tools and equipment for their uh, minister to go out and find the other lost sheep uh, that are out there wandering around in the wilderness, uh, then why would God provide for them? You know, he will not suffer with them forever. Uh, they, they will not be provided for by God. No matter how much they get rid of their present ID, if they're not actively going out and doing what Christ did, which is coming to serve others. And I mean really serve others. I mean, if they're not tithing in one way or another, I mean, tithing isn't about just sending money or something. Tithing is about giving at least 10% of your time for the benefit of others, not, you know, preaching for your own self-righteous benefit. Oh, I'm a preacher of God's kingdom. But actually serving and helping others, then I'm going to have to say, I don't believe uh, that, you know, God's going to be there for you. And, of course, he says that over and over again in the Bible. You know, go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen for yourself. And, yeah, a lot of people don't want to choose the world system as their god. But who is their God? Is it their philosophy? Is it their theology? 
Uh, is it their doctrines that they have uh, uh, conjured up in their own mind? Or is it actual living, breathing souls that live next door or in the, you know, the apartment across the hall? I mean, do you actually love your neighbor? Actively go out and try to help. I know a guy, one of these uh, patriots in his mother's basement kind of thing, except his mother actually had an extra house that he could live in. And he lived in that for years and years. And, you know, woe is me. I don't have a Social Security number. I don't have a driver's license. I can't, you know. And I says, well, look out your window. Do you see an old lady somewhere on your street? And he said, oh, yeah, there's an old lady that lives right across the street. I says, do you help her carry out her garbage in the morning on uh, garbage day? No, I don't do that. I said, why not? Why aren't you helping the elderly in your community? I mean, there's some, you can actually go out and do something for somebody else. But no, he's going to sit in there and complain about how terrible the government is. <laughs> and how he's so righteous because he lives without a number in his mother's house, not paying rent, not supporting anybody but himself. Uh, that isn't that isn't kingdom. Uh, you know, where's his fruits? Uh, where's the blessings that he has been to his local community? This is what saved the Israelites when they were in Egypt. They not only provided for themselves during the plagues, they provided for their Egyptian neighbors that were nearby. So much so that when they left Egypt, those people bestowed upon them gift after gift after gift. And some of the Egyptians actually said, I'm going with these guys. I want to be a part of that. And they were seeking the kingdom. And how did they organize? In groups of ten. That's where the word tithing comes from. Ten families. Give a share. That's their tithe. It isn't 10% of everything they earn necessarily. It should be. But it was their percentage. They tithed according to the service. That's what determined the amount. So everybody should be tithing to somebody according to their service. And they should be gathering together in these groups, trying to make your group 10. And when your group becomes 15, start dividing it off like cellular mitosis. And you have two congregations. But those two congregations still care about each other as much as they care about their own congregation. And I tell you, there's a quantum effect to this. There is a spiritual reality that begins to change. You will start to see the miracles of the apostles in your life when you actually take the time. Spend your own time. Spend the beats of your own heart, the blood of your own veins on somebody else, on the kingdom, on this idea of helping one another. We need to do that. We need to actively do that. We need to diligently do that. And that is the kingdom. And that is what the tyrants and despots of the world don't want you to figure out. Because if you figure that out and start doing that and become doers of the word, you will, you will not be an 800-pound gorilla. You will be a cowman. <laughs> and, and roping a bull. I had a friend here, a cowboy, uh, ranch hand. Uh, he was out... Uh, uh, running cows and he had to get this bull in a trailer and that bull wouldn't go and so he roped that bull and that his rope was wrapped around this popple tree and that popple tree and and uh, he's roping this 2,000 pound bull on a 1,200 pound horse <laughs> and he eventually got that bull into the trailer 
because he's a real cowman. <laughs> uh, the fact is, is uh, that's what you you want to know how to rope the bull. You need the rope of Christ to do so. So anyway, we got one more minute, and then we're going to go to commercial break. And hopefully, when we come back from commercial break, we'll have this figured out. So everybody will have a number to call in by, and we'll ask some questions and answer some questions and talk about some solutions that actually work. And not all these solutions that I see, I can list them off, but I won't do it now. We'll be back. The keys of the kingdom. Okay, Paul, you there? Yeah. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD of Cross the Border Productions. Embrace the little-known but greatest prophecy given by the Great High Priest. The pre-incarnate Messiah reveals God's once secret plan for mankind. Believe it. Behold, the end times in Daniel chapter 2. Because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion. Because, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America, in prophecy, exposed for all to see. The mark of the beast, no, it's not a biochip. A much better and more secure technology is already here, and you are already using it. Two copies, one for you and one for you to give away when you send a support donation of $25 to First Amendment Radio. Use the chip-in event on our website or send $25 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Make copies and give them away. Send $25 cash for two copies of the Greatest Prophecy DVD. That's First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the time to come. The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? 
Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory with my co-host here, uh, Paul, from Wisconsin. Uh, we were back on in the proper order. So, uh, let's see. What's that telephone number that people can call in with? If people have questions, you can call in at 414-395-2442. Or if you happen to know my Skype ID and you're on Skype, you can just catch me that way. And if you... If you're a PCM or Master of Record, you should have his Skype idea. At least if you have Skype, some of some of us may not have Skype at home, <laughs> uh, which is why I'm here in the back of a van in Summer Lake at the Summer Lake Lodge. If you come to Summer Lake and you eat at the lodge, <laughs> you have to say thanks for letting Brother Gregory on the radio <laughs> because I come down here and tap into their DSL so that we can do this Skype show. But uh, I don't know what it's going to be like when it's uh, zero degrees outside. <laughs> I have to come up with an alternate solution, but <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I've, I've got to remember to bring a little tack or something so that I can uh, hang my cord a little higher because everybody goes by and sees this cord going out to the van, and they say, "What's going on in there?" You know, and I've got darkened windows in this van. They came with a van, and. Uh, so I can see them, but they don't know who, what, what's that, you know. <laughs> Are you anywhere near zero degrees today? No, no, we're not. Uh, we're actually it's very comfortable right now, but I see the sun creeping this way. I've got a little bit of a, a poplar tree that's still giving me shade for the next half hour or hour, but it usually gets to about 70, 80 degrees in here before the show is out. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we'll... We'll we'll make it. Uh, it's, uh, it's a dry heat. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's give that number again and see if we get anybody who's got the courage to call in and ask a question about the kingdom. Be brave. It's area code 414-395-2442. Okay. Uh, I noticed that... Uh, I, I get, you know, hundreds of emails every morning, and uh, uh, some of them are actually have some validity to them, <laughs> you know, and they're actually worth reading. Uh, I'm on every single group of the network, so I get everybody's email uh, that goes through. I can't read them all, uh, but at least I kind of keep try to keep track uh, of them. I haven't read... Uh, Diane's email from Rhode Island yet today. I've got it marked to read after the show or during the break. Uh, I, I see. I didn't get to answer my email before I went to bed, and this is the problem: is that you know when you get so many emails, if you neglect to sit down at lunch or breakfast or something in front of the computer and check your email before you know it, you have 
200 emails to go through and 300 emails to go through. <laughs> and you start missing things and, and people start getting lost in the shuffle. So, but this is why we need to create the network is so that people don't call me all the time, don't uh, send uh, emails to me and expecting me to answer, but they, uh, uh, and uh, I had somebody write me this morning, uh, Mike, uh, if he's listening, he may not be listening, in a response to our Answers and Solution Kingdom News list, and uh uh, he says, I don't see HHC bringing up the blood of Christ to seek his kingdom. I see salvation translated as deliverance of sins through the blood of Christ. And that was his uh, response. Well, I agree that the blood of Christ, but what does that mean? Uh, what does it mean? Do you? Jesus said, forgive so that ye may be forgiven. The Bible says that uh, God gave his only begotten son that he might be saved. The fact that Jesus died doesn't save you. That is no guarantee that you have salvation. You say, well, I accept the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, hey, you know, I accept a million dollars, but that don't get, make me a million dollars richer. I can say I accept a million dollars, but nobody's giving me a million dollars because I don't deserve a million dollars, evidently, or they don't want to give me a million dollars. Does God want to give you salvation? Have you forgiven others? Because if you haven't, then don't figure that you're forgiven. Uh, if you've forgiven others, if you love others, uh, then God will love you. If you don't love others, then you're sin. Uh, I wrote him back and said uh, that he was right about saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, but that's what you say. It says, I, I told him, I'm not convinced you know what that means. If you If you keep on sinning, the fruits of accepting the blood of Jesus Christ isn't there. So he writes back, I'm convinced that God loves everyone and hates sin. Well, yeah, God loves everyone. I, I love all my children, but if they're not doing what's right, they're going to see me do things that they may think is hate. <laughs> they're going to think that I'm being mean to them because I'm, I'm going to rebuke them. I'm going to scold them. I'm going to withdraw benefits from them. <laughs> And I'm going, you know, God loves, God so loved the world that had rejected him that he gave his only begotten son that they might be saved. The world was sinning. They had rejected God. They had elected emperors and Herods and Saul's. That was a rejection of God. That was sin. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that they might be saved. But they kept going out now and they're still electing the gods of the world. They're still choosing which benefactor who exercises authority will be their benefactor because they like this one better than they like that one. This one's closer to a balanced budget than this one. So I like this one better than that one. But it's still a rejection of God because it isn't kingdom. They're still sinning. And God hates sin. He loves you, but he hates sin. And if you keep sinning, he will let you have the government you want. <laughs> That's why the governments are there, to punish the wicked who elected them. And that's what Romans 13 was all about. And so he goes on to say, Therefore, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believeth in him, do you really believe in Jesus Christ? 
If you do, why aren't you doing what he said? Because he said, not those who say, I believe, not those who say, I, Lord, Lord, but those who actually do it, the will of the Father. And if you're still applying to social welfare schemes that depend upon men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority, then I can't believe you really believe in Jesus. You don't really walk in faith. You don't really live by hope. You aren't really casting your bread upon the waters. You're joining entitlement programs, and the beast has an entitlement to you. And you are in bondage. And you are in bondage because you have rejected Jesus Christ and God the Father. And you don't really believe in Him. You believe in an image of Him that you've created in your own mind. You've made God in your own mind because you drew a picture of Jesus <coughs> that wasn't true. And said, I believe in that picture. Well, I, you know, I have in one of my presentations, I have all these pictures, paintings of Jesus. And, you know, one of them, he has an AK-47. Another one, he has a puppy. Another one, he has a crown. Another one, he's this guy, you know, standing by the fish, uh, you know, the Sea of Galilee. Which Jesus do you believe in? Yeah, you draw all kinds of pictures of Jesus and believe in that image. But if you really believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be like Jesus Christ. You'll be gathering together to become the social welfare network of a community that actually lives by faith, open charity. And if you're not doing that, then I don't believe you believe in Jesus Christ. And so I don't believe you're saved. But, of course, it doesn't depend on my belief. But it doesn't just depend upon your belief. It has to do with, you know, my belief is my opinion. Your belief is your opinion. God's opinion is reality. And the reality is that if you're not bearing the fruits of Christ, you're not saved. And if you're full of hate and anger... And you're full of sloth and envy. And if you're full of apathy, and if you don't really care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, and you're still coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of governments that you elect for yourself, you know, that's that's what the debate in Congress really is. It's the, the debate out there is not should we covet our neighbor's goods or not. Our debate is... How much should we covet our neighbor's goods? <laughs> should we cover our neighbor's goods to the tune of a trillion dollars in debt or three trillion dollars in debt? <laughs> they want to balance the budget, but they don't want to stop coveting their neighbor's goods. You know, it's, it's, it's all over on the wrong side of the equation. The reality is, is if you would actually seek the kingdom and go the ways of the kingdom, you could provide all the social welfare you need for your society at a fraction of the cost, with no debt. And you would be true keepers of the Sabbath. You know, I, I, that was another email I got. I don't know if I can find it here real quick. It was from Minnesota. Uh, I saw it. When it was going through mail wash, I'm not getting down to it. it. Shows you how many emails. Oh, here we go. Uh, the Minnesota Republic. It says, Gregory, I hope you can answer the question: Is the Sabbath still the Sabbath? 
Yahweh doesn't change. Y-H-W-H, what he's got written here. And Yeshua is the same. And that was from Jack at the Minnesota Republic. Well, I have an article for Jack on the Sabbath. But Sabbath isn't just a day. You know, is he approaching the Sabbath? The Sabbath, of course, is still the Sabbath. It's still the seventh day. I remember I was in an auto parts store once on Sunday. And the guy said, so you guys are open on the Sabbath. And I turned to the guy. I didn't know him and told a stranger. Being the shy fellow that I am, I said, today's not the Sabbath. And he said, well, oh, that is Sunday. And I said, Sabbath means seventh. It's the seventh day of the week. And he says, well, Sunday is the seventh day of the week. And I said, not on any calendar I ever saw. <laughs> and he looked up at a big calendar up there with a nice-looking girl on it, out of parts store, what did you expect? And uh, uh, there the days of the week were, and uh, there's Saturday, the seventh day of the week. I said, Sunday's the first day of the week. Sabbath is <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> And I says, I, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. I'm just correcting you on today's not the Sabbath. <laughs> and he says, you're right. I never thought about it. Well, the guy was older than me, and he never thought about it. But the Sabbath isn't just the seventh day, and it's not the seventh day that makes the Sabbath holy. It's the other six days. So what do you do on the other six days? Uh, that will tell me more about whether you're keeping the Sabbath holy or not. So I don't see a lot of call-ins. Or, or do we have? A, there is a chat room with this. Are you logged onto the chat room, Paul? I am logged into the chat room. Are they talking about anything? I think they're listening <laughs> intently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, I really would like to answer questions. I would like somebody to be courageous enough to. And caring enough that if they have a question in their mind, I know that you must have some questions out there, <laughs> that you will ask that question so that other people all over the country, all nine of you or 900 of you or how many ever people are listening, <laughs> will have that question answered. You know, the truth is, is you know, you got Minnesota Republic and you got, uh, what is the other guy, Restore the Republic. Uh, and we have, you know, a couple hours somewhere on the net, I think on the Preparing You site at least, uh, you know, our opinion of the Restore the Republic people and you should get as far away from them as possible. I'm sure there's some great people in that group, but uh, the leaders I see are leading people down a primrose path to destruction. And uh, I really wouldn't have anything to do with them if I were you. Uh, but anyway, uh, why don't we try what actually worked? And what Moses did actually set men free. What Jesus was doing actually set men free. And what he did was pick uh, 12 men that he uh, was going to call his apostles and uh, eventually those 12 men, except for one, uh, and he had his purpose in place there too, uh, became the apostolic beginning of the church appointed by Christ. Because he told them he was going to take the kingdom away from this one group who had it. He's going to give it to another group that would bear fruit. So that's, you know, that's why I'm saying it's so important. Don't tell me you've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ. Show me the fruit. And then with 
later on he says, it is my pleasure to appoint unto the little king, uh, flock a kingdom. And then later on we see him actually doing it. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father appointed unto me. And we see them coming out, preaching that the gospel of the kingdom, uh, and he said, the kingdom of God is coming in 2,000 years. No, that's not actually what he said. Oh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Oh, okay. And anybody who got that baptism could no longer collect any Social Security benefits from the temple, run, the part of the temple that was run by the Pharisees. They couldn't get that anymore. They opted out. They were now in another system of Corbin that was taught by Christ, that was taught by Moses, that was taught by Abraham, that consisted of free will offerings. The perfect law of liberty, faith, hope, and charity. That's what the kingdom is. Now, you can't jump from where you're at now to that. But you can start moving that way. And the way to do that is to form, you know, pick a PCM, get to know people in your area. If you say, well, there's nobody near me, well, let's find them. Let's get on more t uh, radio, TV, uh, whatever, and get out there and beat the brush. You know, if you're a sheep herder and you can't find your sheep, do you sit there in the bushes waiting for your sheep to show up? Or do you go out and look for them? Do you seek a high place so that you can look out across the desert to find them? If you're in the woods, do you go about listening and calling? You know, how do you call a sheep? You say, here's sheepy. You know, you speak to them in a voice that they can hear. Bah! And sooner or later, if you if you do it right, that's not the right one. But I won't I won't go into the, exactly the nomenclature and uh, and the syntax of a sheep. But you you make the noise that you found food. That's the noise you want to make, <laughs> because then somebody else will respond. Uh, or you make the noise of a, a sheep mother calling her lamb, and then another sheep will respond, and you'll hear that, and you'll say, "Oh, there they are." And you'll go find them. It's a little harder when you're looking for one sheep that's lost in the woods. But that, you know, this is a big part of what Christ was preaching. This is a big part of Christ's nature. So you can't just sit there in your house and be saved and tell me that the blood of Jesus Christ is saving you and, the, and Christ is in your heart. And you're not out there looking for the lost sheep. Don't tell me that you, you, you have received Christ and you're not out looking for the lost sheep or helping others look for it. Contributing everything you can to help find those lost sheep. They're dying. They're being eaten up by coyotes and, and uh, bobcats. I see one after another accepting these patriot schemes that have nothing to do with the kingdom and being devoured, losing everything they have. Let's stop that. Let's stop this nonsense. Let's stop get, doing what actually worked, doing what Abraham did, doing what Moses did. You know, well, the guy said uh, the Sabbath, that God is the same. Jesus is the same. Well, Moses was the same. Abraham was the same. What were they doing? Taking Saturdays off? Or was the other six days of the week they were working and forming a network of living altars that could provide for the social welfare so nobody had to go to the kingdom of Sodom and the kingdom of Gomorrah and sell their souls and their children's souls and, and make merchandise of their sons and daughters so that they could provide social welfare. 
They provided it for each other through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. This was the kingdom. And what is the practical way of doing that? Well, we go back to the first half hour of the show through the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So if you're on the Living Network and you haven't picked a PCM, don't tell me that you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior. Because I don't see the evidence of Christ. If you are on the network and you haven't worked to try to form some kind of congregation of record, what is the problem? What is holding you back? It's not Christ holding you back. Why aren't you networking with tens, hundreds, and thousands already? It's because you've been taught a lie. And you you begin to throw off one part of that lie, but you got to throw off the whole part. You know, it's uh, I tease uh, a couple of fellows around and it says, well, would you baptize me? And I said, yeah, but I may have to hold you under the water a little longer than most. Uh, the fact is, is this whole idea of baptism is about washing up, cleaning up, scrubbing off the old grime, cleaning out every corner of your living temple. And, you know, yeah, you see something in Jesus you love and you say, I want to accept Jesus. You got to scrub out the corners of your temple. You have to really accept them. And if you're really accepting them, you will keep moving in that direction. I mean, Judas Iscariot said he accepted Jesus. But he didn't strive. He didn't persevere to the end. Now, I don't know, man. Here we are back. Uh, Paul said I was on hold. Do we have a caller? Are you there, Paul? My mic. I'm. Uh, I'm just getting bits and pieces. I can't quite make out what you're saying. I said, "Can you hear me?" Okay. Yeah, I can now. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Here we're gonna add. So was that? You're gonna. Okay, you're adding somebody? It's Claude from Vermont. Oh, Claude. I've seen Claude's email, I think. There's, or else there's more than one Claude out there. So, Claude from Vermont, can you hear us? Yes. G- give me a second to uh, mute uh, this. I have to switch from uh, uh, listening <laughs> to a different headset. I'm all set now. I muted okay. it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't sent you an email yet. Um I have communicated on the phone last week with you. Did you send an email uh, to the did you send an email to the network? Oh, I think once in a while I do to the the Northeast Network, yes. Right, and I probably seen those emails. because like I say, I see them all as they come in. I don't read them in detail, but uh, go ahead. Do you have a question? Well yes, I was uh, talking with George here the other day. Uh I chose him as a, a PCM, 
and uh, I did send a donation, but it, it somehow it got lost or it's returned to me and it, I haven't gotten it back yet or something. But anyway, that's quite the point. What I'm working on is it's very difficult for me to uh, travel freely because I don't have any ID or anything, and it looks like you have to go through a, quite a process to get that, but it's almost like between between a rock and a hard place because you you, you can't be mobile. All, the, all you can do is maybe make phone calls and talk to people and do things locally. But to um, what I was thinking about this, I, you, I remember you were talking about a driver's license that you use, uh, through the, the church, uh, I seem to have learned as I go along to try to get away from using the terms that, uh, they use in the statutes. I was, I don't, I haven't seen one, so I don't know what you have on it, but I'm thinking like something that should say maybe like a non-statutory travel permit or something. Yeah, the problem is that when you start using terminology like that, you're associated with all these sovereigns. Uh, we're going to have a break right here. We'll have to wait till we come back from the break uh, okay. to talk about that. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. For any single program on tape, MP3 CD or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Uh, Paul, what was that question? I couldn't make it out when you were 
Oh, you what? After that, we'll take the chat room question. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Claude, it doesn't say driver's license on the card that I have in my pocket that uh, was produced by the church. Uh, and if you have that card in your pocket, there is no guarantee that you will not be stopped. There is no guarantee that you will not be given a ticket. There's no guarantee that you will not go to jail because the fact is that they got guns and they have a huge army of policemen that may or may not accept the card that you have in the pocket. Uh, we're actually having contact ministers and PCMs meeting uh, on a group uh, that we formed to, to discuss how to produce ID for individuals. Uh, mostly we're looking at ID right now. There are some uh, who also want to have these driver's licenses, and of course we can only license an individual uh, permission to operate one of the church vehicles. But in many jurisdictions, you know, if you have a permission to operate a uh, uh, Canadian vehicle, uh, that will work in the United States as well. Um, so, yeah, you can use these other terms. We've gone through these discussions over and over again. But the fact is, when in Rome, you got to use the terms that Rome has. But like I say, it doesn't say driver's license on it. Uh, uh, and there's a number of different things that we're looking at to put on it. I'm not going to tell everybody what it does say on it. Uh, that will be a discussion for the contact ministers. If people want to be a part of that discussion, they have to pick a contact minister because we're not going to put uh, 500 people on that group to discuss these things. <laughs> uh, the key element is is that the church is a government. It's one form of government defined as such in the... Uh, in Black's Law Dictionary, and so therefore, if they will not give you a license in any other government of the world, then it would be reasonable that you could get permission from uh, another government. But to us, the important thing is that you're actually a part of that government. You're uh, working and and in accordance with the principles of that government. And the principles are what we've been explaining in the first part of the show is that people actually caring about one another. Um, getting on an airplane, getting on a bus, getting on a train without any ID, it's getting harder and harder. If it's going to get easier with church ID, we need to have church ministers who have the character of Christ. And when they actually go and they hand that ID to somebody from SDA, that SDA guy actually says... You know, we don't need to see any more ID from this person. Uh, they're not the ones we're looking for, and they let us get on. Uh, we don't need to be giving that ID to guys who are ranting and raving that I have a right to travel and and you have to accept my ID because I'm from the government of God and and not manifesting the personality of Christ. And uh, so, therefore, we're very cautious about who we give ID out to. And because an ID card is our testimony that this individual is part of the church established by Jesus Christ, the government established by Jesus Christ. And uh, we're figuring out how we set up a uniform standard by which we'll go by by issuing those cards. Um, but again, you have one of our... Uh, operator's license or travel license or travel permits or whatever you want to call it. There's no guarantee whatsoever 
that uh, the officers of the world, the policy officers of the world, are going to accept that card. And you still may find yourself between a rock and a hard place. But if you gather with other people who care about you as much as they care about themselves, hopefully their phones will be ringing off the wall before you get to the station. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I do... I want to bring up one thing that uh, a gentleman I was associated with, it was in a state that was about four or five removed from Vermont. And what he did, he he went through, uh, uh, he drew up his paperwork of his status. But what he did, he went to the embassy up in Canada for the U.S. He, He sent via diplomat pouch to the Justice Department in the United States so he knows it went there and somehow he got a status that when they check him or check his name they immediately go the other way and they leave him alone I just wonder if, if there's something well, yeah. along those lines we could do as a, and get diplomatic well, yeah. status I've actually talked to people at SDA and said, well, how, because they've told me that you can get on a list where they'll accept your ID even though it's not state-issued ID. And, um, of course, one of the things that has become acutely aware of over the years is that uh, the New World Order is actually uh, chaos. they don't follow their own rules often. Uh, a lot of people claim that, and uh, most of the people who claim that don't even know what their rules are. But, you know, to travel on an airplane and a domestic flight, uh, you don't need state ID. But by the same token, the STA guy that you're dealing with can reject you. Uh, they have personal discretion in this. You can go up to their supervisor. But the reality is when they said is that, that they have a list of ID that they will accept uh, as legitimate ID, even if it's not state ID. And I asked them, how do I get on that list? Well, that we, as far as I know, we're not on that list yet. But uh, I can tell you this, we don't deserve to be on that list unless we actually form a network of people that are actually there for one another and care about one another and are doing what Christ did. And if we do that, then we can get on that list and our ID will mean something. We will not become, I will not be a part of an ID mill where, you know, we haven't charged a dime to anybody for producing IDs when we have produced them, but we're going to be very careful about how we produce them. And all these terminologies and stuff, we've done that uh you know, we actually have people going to foreign countries now. Uh, they're traveling with, you know, regular ID, but uh, they're looking at helping us set it up. The fact that uh, the church is not a United States uh, unincorporated association. It's an international organization established originally by Christ with an apostolic nature. And I think we'll have more success with our ID, and that's why we're having meetings. And if people want representation at that meetings, talk to their local PCM or Congregation of Record Minister and express their uh, thoughts and ideas, and then they will carry those to uh, these meetings.
Yeah, that, that's the thing is that we're trying to get on their, uh, the Homeland Security's list <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> yeah, good but, way. I, but I also want to go to the CM list. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to hang up now. When you post to it. I saw you, so you're on that. Okay, oh, well, we'll see you on the net, uh, Claude. Thanks for the call. Okay. Uh, so what Thanks. was the question Bye. in uh, the chat room? I'm sorry. In order for each, uh, oh. yeah, can you hear me? Can I can hear you now. Okay. In order for even just one man to become a free soul under God, even as a minister, is it not true that just that option requires at least a small community of people coming together in faith, hope, and charity? Well, uh, Jesus was very specific in saying that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there also I am. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a phrase. Be just. Half hours by itself. Uh, clearly, the idea of gathering together, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, uh, all these concepts just keep popping up. So gathering is very important. But ultimately, the walk that we have with God, this free soul walk with God and his garden, which is the earth upon which we live, uh, that's an individual walk. But if we're walking according to the character of God in Christ, uh, we're going to seek to walk with others. You know, birds of a feather flock together. And so... Uh, yeah, in order for us to recognize you as a congregation and set the rule for ourselves, that we will require two witnesses that recognize you as a minister of that group. Uh, everyone in that group remains an individual walking his own walk. They come together according to free will choice. So this idea of individuality is an essential element of the kingdom, but this idea of coming together is also an essential element of the kingdom. The difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world is we are bound by faith, hope, and charity, which is love, and they are bound by oaths, contracts, uh, debt, and all these other things. Uh, we, we have a system of welfare. We have a FEMA, a Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary. We have all these things that they have because we're a government too. But our government operates according to the perfect law of liberty. And I, I seem to be repeating this over and over again, but I don't know if that answers this question. Or not. Uh, you know, you can't be a minister of God unless you have somebody to minister to. So. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this is why I struggle so much time I put into helping others form congregations of record and seeing the kingdom and very little time on my own local group uh, of people and community. Uh, fortunately, I have family members who help me with that uh, obligation. But, uh, you know, I must be doing something because when I asked them if I could do the radio program out here, uh, boom, they said no problem. And Zoom, I'm right in. Uh, so uh, we're out here doing the program. That's because community actually uh, seems to 
you know, that we've done things. for them and they're glad to do things for us. <laughs> so anyway, does that, I don't know if that answer and you're seeing any other response from the chat room. And uh, let's give the telephone number again uh, so that somebody else can call in. The chat is question. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my computer seems to be extra lo- loaded. Um, I might have to get out of the chat room because it seems to be putting a big load on my computer. But he says it does answer the question. Oh. And we'll give that number again. The regular phone number is area code okay. 414 395-2442. Okay. Um, you know, I should write that down. I actually have that written down somewhere. Uh, so that I can give it in case you're gone for a little bit. <laughs> I guess you can't go because if you go, I'm gone. So. Yeah, I can't answer that call either. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, eventually... Uh, you know, we encourage everybody. You know, I haven't asked for money, and I don't really care if people send me money or not. I'm just saying that, that uh, unfortunately, money allows us to buy the tools and pay for the tools that we need in order to get this message out. Uh, we've had some people actually donating for the uh, syndication project to syndicate a radio show on many stations to go out to hundreds of thousands of people. And then draw them to this show. We finally got this show so that our sound evidently is pretty good. You guys can tell us if our sound is any good. And uh, uh, so we're trying to improve things so that we can start building the network. But there is absolutely no value in me getting out to thousands of people if those people that are here now can't form congregations of record, can't. Uh, gather together, pick PCMs, uh, contact ministers so that they can be in contact with others. That's why you pick a contact minister is so that he can help put you in contact with other people who might need your help and assistance and and care uh, so that you can actually practice uh, living uh, the Eucharist of Christ uh, according to the blood of Jesus Christ, the service of Jesus Christ. Uh, you cannot love one another, sit in your chair. You actually have to be doing something for others. And, you know, uh, it was brought up at the meeting last night up in Bend that, where they said that, you know, you're in the church and they say, oh, turn to the person next to you and uh, greet them and welcome them and, you know, shake hands with them and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was clear to us at this point in the conversation that, Next week, that person standing next to you could be dead, uh, rotting in their apartment building. <laughs> and you wouldn't even know. You would just greet whoever is there. And this is one of the problems with uh, this idea that I just go out and be nice to people that I run into and need help. And I see somebody with a flat tire on the side of the road. I change their tire, and I'm in the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of God and the religion of God is organized religion. Now, I'll explain what I mean by that. People always say, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with organized religion. That's a misnomer. The kingdom of God was, uh, the church was so well organized in 168 A.D. that uh, Marcus Aurelius has a record of persecuting the church more than any other emperor an official record of persecuting the church more than any other emperor. Yet he was a pretty good emperor. And when you asked him why he had this contention with the church, and it says because he feared it. 
because they were so well organized. Uh, and he always was afraid that if they decide to revolt, uh, they would, they were this huge, it wasn't in numbers, but this so well organized, it scared the emperor. Uh, they feared how well organized they were. Now, so that was organized religion. They, they didn't, if you didn't make it to church on Sunday, when they were beginning the work of the week, because they'd already had their Sabbath uh, the day before, and they looked out amongst themselves to find those who were in need to help and those that had shared with those that didn't have. If you didn't make it, they would send diaconuses out there in the street to find you to make sure you had enough to get you through the next week, because there was really hard times, hard times like you're going to see here in America and in a lot of the other countries. That's what they and they could only do that if they were well organized. They didn't just say, "Well, I, we helped everybody who showed up." They actually went out and found those people who needed help, uh, who didn't show up because they said, "Well, what happened to them? Let's find them." And they could do this because they had formed these tens, hundreds, and thousands. So that was organized religion. It was not authoritarian religion. It was not top-down religion. It was not regulatory, coercive religion, which is what you have in Social Security and, and most of the churches. Uh, you have a top-down authority. It tells you what you have to believe and what you have to do, and when to stand up, when to kneel down, when to sit. That isn't, uh, that's the problem with what we call organized religion. It's that it's authoritarian in nature, not that it is organized. The kingdom of God is organized. But it's organized from the bottom up. And when I say the bottom up, I mean from the bottom of your heart. Because Christ is in there, you're trying to figure out ways to help one another. Can you imagine if you had 10,000 people in a network that were trying to figure out how to help one another? And one of you got stopped at, a, at an airport. And they said, you're not going to be flying today because I don't like your ID. And you just twittered. <laughs> uh, they're even calling the donut shop.
Okay, I'm back on Liberty Live, uh, hopefully. Uh, for some reason, other Skype dropped the call. I hope everybody can hear me. It's 920. Uh, let me know how this all worked out while Skype was doing some sort of correcting here. Um, anyway, uh, this is the kingdom as people caring about each other. It's 10,000 Minutemen who come to the aid of one another in the character of Christ, in the ways of Christ, establishing uh, uh, how it works in the kingdom uh, and how it's going to work. to wait till break and we'll bring uh, Paul back on. <laughs> something, something happened um, uh, with our connection, but I, I hope we're on now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, uh, technical wonders. We'll see if we can't keep this working. Eventually, I think that we could probably get a telephone number that I would have here, and uh, you could call me uh, on. Uh, uh, Skype. I don't know what my Skype address is. I think it's Brother Gregory, Brother Dot Gregory, or something. Uh, any of the PCMs or uh, uh, who want to get on Skype uh, and want to get uh, connected with me can do so, and we can uh, we can have you Skype in with questions, and uh, we can save a telephone number for other people who want to call in. So this is, you know, it's a struggle to start working on getting all this stuff figured out and worked out and uh, make it happen. Uh, you know, I'll be on the radio for two and a half hours come 10 o'clock, and it appears that at 11 o'clock uh, Pacific time there will be a talk shoe call uh, through Lowe's Hill. Uh, so it's not going to be right after the show, which gives me a little opportunity to get back, and I'll do the the call from our, our home place out here in Summer Lake, and we'll see if we can channel the talk uh, to something of value. But anyway, uh, this whole idea of the kingdom, it requires that the individuals swallow their pride, get diligent in their efforts, uh, seek ways to help one another. And if you had those thousand people trying to figure out ways of helping one another, they would come up with innovative ways to do so that I can't even imagine. It's not about just sending money, but, of course, money does help uh, your local contact ministers. And uh, in our government, it's a trickle-up uh, process. And uh, hopefully we will find the resources to get out and find those other lost sheep all over the country. As we said, uh, the United States is, uh, you know, showing uh, the evidence of its bankruptcy. I'm not going to say that it's bankrupt and that suddenly it's defaulting on its debts uh, Monday or Tuesday, but the reality is it's already defaulted on its debts. This is some of the things I was pointing out the other day. People are worried about a cashless society. You already have a cashless society. 
Federal Reserve notes, you know, 100 years ago would not be called cash. They're called notes. Cash was actual money, not notes. Uh, coins were actually silver and gold. Iron coins are not silver and gold. They're, they have no present value. It's only an imaginary value. Uh, they're, so you're already in a cashless society. If you brought real money into the store, and we were also pointing out that you know, when I was a kid, you could buy a loaf of bread for 10 cents. And one of the people there uh, at the meeting who is uh, very much younger than myself, they remembered that they could buy for a dollar, you could buy 10 loaves of bread when they were younger. Uh, well, of course, that's 10 cents a loaf, but that was a special. I'm talking about your day-to-day price when I was a kid was 10 cents a loaf. It's still 10 cents a loaf. It was a silver dime back then. It's a silver dime now. And if you had a silver dime, which one-tenth of a silver dollar, uh, uh, which sells for what? Twenty-five, thirty dollars, uh, maybe $40 now. I don't know what the price is. Um, you could buy a loaf of bread with it. Uh, the fact is, is that they won't accept that dime. You know, it won't fit into their cash register. They won't take it at its real value. They only want clad coin. They only want notes. They only want credits. And that's why everything costs so much, because you are already in a cashless society. And uh, you're worried about, uh, you know, socialism taking over in America. It's already taken over in your public school systems. Your children are all brainwashed. We have a booklet online, um, uh, Schools as fo- uh, to Fool, or Schools as Tools, I think is probably a better, I should call it that. And uh, shows you that, you, you know, they have changed what your children are learning. Uh, we talked about that in the early part of the show, how uh, the book Enterprise of Law uh, made it very clear that this centralized, authoritarian, top-down government uh, is a modern aberration. And the use of your government as your religion, the way in which you provide for the widows and orphans and needy of your society, it only came about in the United States in 1933 with the advent of Social Security. But what should have been for your welfare is your snare. So people who think, well, I'm I'm a sovereign, but I still have a job with a Social Security number, you're not a sovereign. You're a slave in Egypt. And you should be a good slave in Egypt. And you should obey the rules of your Egyptian taskmasters. And you should pay your taxes because you're in the unrighteous mammon. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not acting righteously. You are not uh, paying your tally of bricks. You are not being friends with the unrighteous mammon. And so, therefore, you would probably not be suitable in the more righteous habitations where day-to-day honor is absolutely essential in the the kingdom. And uh, you have to not give... 10% 10% to the kingdom. You have to get 50% of every day to the kingdom because you have to care about others as much as you care about yourself. 
there was a video about the people in Mali, and I haven't really been to Mali, so I can't really tell you that this is true. But uh, the contention is that they have this system of giving. They're very, very poor people there. But uh, accumulating wealth is not the way they go. But giving it away is the way they go. Excuse me. So they're always sharing with others as much as they can so that they can uh, be a part of uh, this uh, society of giving. And it will change the way you will have an abundance. You will have a surplus. Uh, but you have, but right now we're spiritually constipated. We have to let go and start moving in the direction of the kingdom. So we'll be back with Keys of the Kingdom right after this word from your local station. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or 
War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. Uh, we're in the last half hour. Uh, again, we'll have a talk show about an hour after this show is over. I'll try to get to that, and maybe we'll talk about some of these issues that are coming up at the, on the Records Ministry at recordsministry.com. Um, but also the uh, question of, are we really the church? Are we really doing what Christ said now? His Holy Church is not a corporate entity created by me. Uh, it's not an unincorporated association created by me. What was created as the church was created by Christ. Uh, what we're looking for is men who want to belong to Christ and do what he says. And uh, we will uh, help them in every way we can. Uh, we'll even help and train them out here. Uh, and hopefully train them in other places and, and share with them what we've known. That's our form of training. And so that ultimately they follow the Holy Spirit and start seeking that kingdom. So uh, with that, uh, Paul, you want to give the telephone number again? Uh, you bet. Yeah, it's 414-395-2442. That's 2HHC if you're looking at the letters. Okay, Sorry, I had uh, bail on the chat room. It was just consuming too much computer time, and I can't see any questions coming up there. But we'll we'll go to the phones. Okay, yeah. So if you want to call in on the phone, you've got the number, and uh, you can call in. Uh, I'll uh, check my own email from time to time, but I never, I don't want to tax my own computer here. But I don't see any questions coming in there, so we'll just keep on rambling. <laughs> I think it's important some of the things that you mentioned about how this all ends up being actually a change in spirit in the people involved. And I think that's kind of critical to why we're doing this to begin with. Right. Uh, the, the spiritual element, a lot of people say I don't talk about the spirit, but of course in, in the book Covenants to God's, is an indictment of where we've gone. And the reason we've gone there is the same reason that we see Israel going the wrong way back in the days of Samuel, because they had already rejected God. And how do you reject God? Well, you become vain. You become prideful. You become arrogant. And what is one of the most common ways that people become vain, prideful, and arrogant? It's about their religion, their theology, their philosophy of life. As they think, I got it. I know. I, I'm it. I'm, I figured it out. I'm saved, whatever it is. And they're not really coming to it from the point of view of a little child, which is looking to Papa. 
<coughs> they're not. Uh, and that's why Christ says you must be as a little child in order to enter into the kingdom. Uh, it's not uh, a doctrinal, prideful, uh, theological uh, viewpoint. And I tell the story about a guy asking about being a PCM, a contact minister of his holy church. And he said, uh, he says, one of the qualifications I say, uh, caring about others and doing what you say and saying what you do. And, uh, you know, that's the qualifications if you're that way. And he says, well, I also have a theological degree. And my response was, well, now you got me worried. Uh, because somebody with a theological degree think they got something. Well, Paul had a theological degree. Uh, Paul the Apostle, not Paul in Wisconsin. <laughs> he's, he's probably got a degree, but I don't think it's in theology. But he's getting one the hard way, <laughs> which is the way we all have to get it, is struggling with our own hearts and our own minds and our own lives and the, the people around us and letting God teach us how to deal with all that. And that's the, we all have that, that uh, challenge. And the degree that we made it is the degree that we get uh, God in our hearts. But what evil wants you to do is to do everything in your life that leads you away from the humility of Christ, the humility of his service, the humility of caring about others as much as you care about yourself. Um, or more. You know, like I, I tell people that everybody in the kingdom has to care about others as much as they care about themselves. They ha and if once they're doing that, the idea of tithing and sharing and giving, you know, nobody has to bring it up. I only bring it up to point out the fact that you're not really doing what Christ said. You're not really doing what Moses said. You're not really doing what Abraham said. Because you're not really contributing. Now, how you contribute, that's up to you and God. But uh, there should be a, an abundance and a surplus of resources for us to reach out to others. I don't think we've had it partly because I don't think that the network has been ready to receive that influx of people. So that's really where we need the contributions is your contribution and time and energy to start forming those congregations of record, start forming those uh, uh, contact minister uh, coalitions where you pick a contact minister so that they can get on some of these uh, records ministry uh, conversations and start working out some of the uh, uh, mechanical details of bearing witness one to each other. Because that's what our ID program is about. It's not about you getting out of using a government ID. You think that's going to be your ticket to heaven. Forget it. Uh, that's going to be your ticket to persecution in the long run. Because the more we come together as a viable option, the more we become a threat. So I believe that that will come rapidly. As rapidly as the CME that's coming towards us right now. <laughs> Uh, there was a uh, M-class uh, flare that went off nine. That's not big. Uh, it's big, but it's not as big as the big ones that are coming, X and mega flares. But uh, these things can come in a twinkling of an eye. And I believe that the kingdom will start to grow in a twinkling of an eye. 
But right now, you need to be gathering together, counting the cost, determining if you're going to put your hand to the plow and, and set aside your pride, contact your local contact minister, uh, volunteer to be a contact minister. Local contact ministers can have sponsor one guy a person a piece, and they only have to get one other person to uh, uh, pick them, and then they can become a uh, contact minister on the groups, and we can start discussing these things. But you need to be growing those groups. Every contact minister should be in contact with the people that have picked them, and uh, they should have their number. They should have their name. Uh, they should know where they're at and so that if they have other people that contact them in that area, they can put them in contact with each other. This is a process by which you can build those congregations of record. Why of record? Because that record connects you to that tens, hundreds, and thousands with other congregations. What can we do with that? We can create an alternative health care system based on faith, hope, and charity that will make you excluded and exempt from national health care, just like the Amish are. It, you know, somebody was talking that they had a hundred thousand dollar bill because somebody hit them in a car, a medical bill. Their back was excused, and uh, they were expected to be in a wheelchair. They seem to be getting around fine. Actually, do a lot of physical labor now. Uh, how did they heal so well? Is it God? I think it could be. Uh, but the reality is that they noticed that the insurance company only paid 13% of the bill. They didn't pay 100% of the bill. If, if you don't have insurance, they'll bill you for the whole thing. But if you have a network based on faith, hope, and charity, they can negotiate that bill. It doesn't have to be as high as that. And this will save you money. It will save your congregation money. But your congregation has to be coming together, not just thinking about how do I pay my medical bills but how do I help other people? And, of course, the secondary aspect of that is that when you come together in a network based on that love, you will start coming up with alternative solutions that don't produce medical bills and actually don't have the side effects that most of the medical remedies have. And you will come up with instantaneous healings, and you will come up with health practices that will make you better our seed share program, so that you're growing uh, more and more uh, food that is not tainted with all the chemicals and uh, GMO and, and what have you, uh, foods that uh, are on the ready market. Well, we There was a discussion recently, you can't call your food organic unless you get certified organic by the state, but I think you can call your, and they were coming up with all kinds of different uh uh, supernatural food was one of the uh, things that they wanted to call it, but you could call it blessed. This food is blessed. You know, I mean, the Jews have their kosher. Well, this food is blessed. How is it blessed? Well, we try not to use any chemicals. We try not to uh, use GMOs. We try not to use hybrid seeds. We try to use uh, organic fertilizers uh, and not chemicals. So. We, we produce this food as healthily as we could possibly uh, produce it, and then we will share it with others. Uh, we don't vaccinate our sheep. We don't vaccinate our calves. 
uh, we actually had a system of breeding where if they had things like intertoxemia, we simply bred it out of them. And our sheep don't get intertoxemia. They don't get entropia anymore. And we don't have to vaccinate. They just don't get it because we have dressed the herd and kept it according to the ways of Christ. And so Christ and God the Father. And so therefore he's blessed us with pretty healthy sheep. We have a few knuckleheads now and then, but that's just to teach us patience. Um, So anyway... um, we need to start bringing more and more people to this radio program. We need to start those people who want to call me during the week and ask theological questions or kingdom questions. You should be calling during this radio program, and I'm going to start pointing that out to you more and more. This is two and a half hours. You could call in with your question, and then I don't have to answer it. Well, you know, stop the swather or or stop digging ditches so that I can answer your question. Uh, you should, If it's a question that other people might want the answer to, you should be signing on to this uh, radio program long enough to ask the question. And that way I don't have to uh, give a half-hour, hour-long sermon on a subject to one individual. That shows me you're thinking about others. You're asking that question so that others may hear the answer as well. You have a curiosity. You want to discuss it. Great. Uh, let's do it on this radio program. Uh, let's not call me during the week with these individual non-specific uh, or personal questions. And, uh, and really, every contact minister should pick a contact minister that they trust, and they should discuss these things with them. And then when we have these talk shoes, we can bring these up uh, amongst friends and try to figure out what the solutions are. And I tell you that spiritually, when you start making that your agenda of helping others and, and solving problems and finding solution, then salvation will come to you because you're in the process of giving and forgiving. You will be given to and forgiven. If you're not in that process of giving and forgiving, you will not be forgiven and you will not be given unto. You can go and cry unto the theologies which you have chosen for yourself. You can go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen for yourself. And God will not hear you in that day because you have not walked in his ways. What are his ways? They're ways of services. So our network will not help you at all. Unless you come to the network with the intention of helping others. And if you do that, the network will be blessed and it will grow. And, and this is the same way with your garden. If you don't tend your garden, it will not bless you. If you uh, abuse the nature uh, that is practiced within the scheme of your garden, uh, nature will turn on you. And, and produce unhealthy foods. And that's what we see the whole world doing now with their GMOs and their uh, uh, synthesized uh, food uh, that they create. Is They're literally poisoning the very society which they are dependent upon. And people can't see it because they won't wake up. They're under this strong delusion. If you're waking up like those seeds sown, you need to not be strangled out by the weeds. You need to be nurtured by good soil. You need to uh, grow in accordance with that Christ by living in accordance with Christ 
coming to serve others. And, I mean, it's so simple. The gospel of the kingdom is so simple. But it actually is a government that Christ took away from the Pharisees with their social welfare Corbin and gave to other men who were finally learning not to exercise authority, not to be chauvinist pigs like, uh, I shouldn't say pigs, but it's pretty clear that Peter was a bit of a chauvinist. And they are starting to learn to help one another and, and, and get along and forgive and, and cherish one another. Uh, this is so essential. And it, it's the only way to break the delusion. And when you break the delusion, no information about the spirituality of the kingdom will come to you. Because you've thrown off the scales of your eyes and seeing that because we have gone the selfish route, we have cut ourselves off from the Spirit of God. And, you know, it's not about me. It's not about, you know, Brother Gregory. It's about you and your relationship with Christ. And it has to be the real Christ. Not the pseudo-Christ, not the artificial Christ, not the mamby-pamby Christ, not the theological Christ created in many seminaries today. It's about the real Christ who came to preach a government of the people, for the people, and by the people that operated according to the perfect law of liberty and therefore set the people, the captives, free. If you're not doing that, it doesn't matter what ID you have in your pocket. You're not free. If you are doing that, you will not only learn the secrets of freedom, but you will not even have to be in the presence of tyrants. They will find you uncomfortable. They won't want to get rid of you. Unfortunately, some of them might want to get rid of you the hard way, but if you really trust in God, you will... uh, find his protection, his divine protection, so powerful that the enemy will bow down before you. And this is a real thing that you will see. But you cannot, you can fake me out. You can fool me. You can fool yourself. But you can't fool God. You have to make a real commitment and you have to diligently pursue that commitment to the kingdom. And so I encourage all our books, uh, Covenants of the Gods, I Kingdom Come. If you're a constitutionalist, go read uh, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitution. Uh, if you're immersed in the uh, old Romans 13's interpretation of modern seminaries, uh, go read Higher Liberty. You might want to go read Higher Liberty anyway. It's a shorter book, and some people really like it. Uh, they're all free on the net at hisholychurch.org. If you want a hard copy... You know, you can order that. We'll send you a hard copy. Uh, or you can just print it out on your 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 ink printer. Uh, but you have to staple it together yourself. <laughs> but uh, the reality is start looking at this because it explains how the kingdom works. But once you start learning that, or even when you just begin to start learning that, the real thing you have to learn is how to give and forgive others. You have to gather together with others. And many of the people that are gathering on the network now, they don't have a clearer picture of the kingdom. They're carrying a lot of baggage. Uh, that's okay. That will help us teach patience and learn patience ourselves. Uh, but you have to do it. Uh, but it's time we start 
forming those congregations of records, he who hesitates is lost. Uh, stop hesitating. Stop being timid. I had a whole thing on fear that I was going to share with you. I don't think there's very much time, but, you know, in the Bible, there's not just one word that uh, produces the word fear. Uh, there's uh, several words in the Hebrew language that are translated fear. And uh, uh, just to give you a rough idea of what we're talking about, this uh, Maura, uh, Memresh, uh, Elif, uh, and sometimes this Mem, Bav, Resh, Elif, which, of course, changes the meaning slightly. But that's one word that is translated fear. Um, but they also, Penium, no two letters hardly the same. Uh, and that has to do with fear, specifically like of an army or uh, any kind of military force or policy officers. Uh, and that's another kind of fear, but it's a different kind of fear. And then there's fear of the wicked. Uh, uh, you know, fear all around you where you're just immersed in fear. Uh, so they had lots of different words, and some of them were quite different. Some are just slightly different by adding another letter uh, that was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the word fear is much more consistent. Both of these words are also translated help. Um, uh, I, sh I actually shouldn't say that. That's not really. But it has to do with uh, timidity, where you're, you you need encouragement. You need uh, courage and strength. Uh, and you need that help and, and that sense of where you you believe, but you need help with your unbelief. And Christ is that help. But if Christ is in us, we should also be that help to others. We should be there for others and not be there. You know, if you're complaining that you don't have this and you don't have that and somebody didn't do this for you and somebody didn't do that for you, you're not in the spirit of Christ. Christ wasn't doing that. Christ was going out and, you know, somebody said, you know, I need somebody healed. And he says, where is he? I'll go to your house. And, you know, you just... Is drop everything and go right away. There's a message in that. How many of you would do that? How many of you would be Minutemen? That very minute was willing to go and help and heal this person. And because this guy understood the spiritual aspect, Jesus didn't even actually have to go, but the person was still healed. And this is the reality. We have been drawn away from those values that give us the spiritual power that we should all be manifesting if we're really walking with God. But if I were to go out and manifest these spiritual powers right now so that you could see them, I tell you that they're real and they can be yours through your service to Christ. But then you would believe by those miracles. We're not looking for people who believe by miracles. We're looking for people who believe because they are actually surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And it's actually growing up in there. In order to make room for that Holy Spirit, you're going to have to set down some of your baggage, some of your pride, some of your arrogance, some of your theologies, some of your vanities. 
eventually all of your vanities, but you have to start moving in that direction. And one of the ways to do that is to get down on your hands and knees and wash the feet of your neighbor. Now, that's a physical ritual we've seen some people do, but the reality is you do that every day. You need to do that every day when your neighbor uh, maybe says something bad about you. You you should not be offendable. No one can offend you. No one can make you angry. No one can upset you. You know, uh, if somebody disagrees with you, it's not you who flees the room. It should be them because you're rooted in your faith. And it's not your arrogance. It's your faith and your love for them. That you're there, to, I don't care if it's a cop or a judge or, uh, you know, a dictator or a murderer or anything, that you actually approach them with love in your heart. But that love in your heart is not mamby-pamby love. It's, it's a powerful love. It will make them bow down. If they will not accept the love of Christ, they will bend before it and bow before it. So it's not just that you love, but you have that love of Christ, that love that Christ loved others by. And, you know, if Christ uh, chose them, he could have stopped them from crucifying. But he was showing a greater love. So anyway, we'll see you next week. And those of you who make it to the talk show, we'll see you there. Until then, be upon your house. Thanks, Paul. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.